0: The mind is split at two different levels. The unconscious level. Here, there is a split between your awake child mind, which is still at peace in God, and your sleeping child mind, which is anxiously dreaming this wild dream. The second part, the conscious level. Here, there is a split between the fearful voice of the ego mind or wrong-mindedness and the loving voice of our inner therapist or right-mindedness. This is an excerpt from Corinne Zupko's amazing book, From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace. And I am so excited and honored to share her and her book with you on the show today. If you're listening and you are suffering from anxiety or fear at any level, Low-level anxiety that you just find yourself pushing down and ignoring, maybe grabbing a cupcake or two, or maybe you have an anxiety disorder and you've been diagnosed. I know that this show and this book is going to radically change how you approach dealing with your fears and your very difficult emotions, especially anxiety. I want to welcome Corinne to the show. She has coached and counseled and educated thousands of individuals at national conferences, in classrooms, in workshops, and in her therapy chair. She teaches weekly meditation classes for corporate clients and co-hosts the large virtual conference of A Course in Miracles in the world through the organization called Miracle Share International, which she co-founded. You can find out more about Corinne and her book at fromanxietytolove.com. Without further ado, I want to dive into this show turn up the volume, get comfortable, grab a cup of tea. You're going to love this show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to what is going to be an amazing show. I have Corinne Zupko on the call today. Corinne, hi.
1: Welcome to the call. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join with you today.
0: And you know, I think I'm saying your name wrong. Is it Corinne or Corinne?
1: It is Corinne. It is is Corinne. Corinne. I'll respond to Corinne. The only thing I usually correct people on is if you call me Connie.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Well, Corinne, I don't even know why I said that. It sounds like you're careening off of a highway. Like It's not even a word. (laughs) Corinne, here we go. We're on on with Corinne. Welcome to the show, Corinne. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I have to tell you, I am just so, so excited that you put this piece of work out. Your book, From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace, it is going to change so many lives. I can tell already just it's changing mine just by reading it. It's, it's reconnecting me to course principles that, you know, saved my life back in the day, really. And there's so many people walking around, whether you have a diagnosed anxiety disorder or whether you're just walking around with that low level anxiety. Most of us think is normal. We don't even notice. It's going to be so helpful. So thank you so much for writing it and being on the show.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for saying that. I truly hope that this book is that beacon of light for people who still struggle with either like the full-blown anxiety like I used to have or even just that low level of anxiety. We we all deserve to be walking around in a state of peace and love and not fear.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. So let's dive in because you have a pretty compelling story. Just before we hit record, I was saying how when I was reading your story and your experience of your anxiety disorder. Like I just, I had the tightness in my chest like for you, but also because I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. So can you share with us your story and kind of how you peeled yourself out of that?
1: What you just said about peeling myself out is a really good description because it it felt like that. Anxiety is like sticky and I was stuck in it for most of my life. My first diagnosis came as separation anxiety disorder when I was really young And I always had a lot of fears and I was a very anxious kid. And then in college, that's when I broke down with really debilitating anxiety and panic attacks because a student that I didn't know died very suddenly of meningitis and it triggered every fear, every worry. How can you be okay one night and then dead the next morning? And actually something very existential came up for me, a question that I always would wrestle with just, you know, growing up and realizing that the world can kind of be a cruel place this question, how can a loving God create things that die? Mm. I just didn't get it. And so that question came back up. And I remember calming myself down after I learned the news about that student's passing. But 3 a.m. that following morning, I woke up from sleep with what felt like a hard punch in the stomach of stress hormones. And I remember gasping for air. I was shaking. I was sweating. My heart was racing. I had—I no- thought I was dying. And I climbed down the ladder of my bunk bed. We didn't have cell phones back then. So I grabbed my my phone in my room, dragged it out into the bathroom and called my mom at three o'clock in the morning in this high state of panic. We kind of figured out that I was having an anxiety attack and she she instilled hope in me that we'd find help. And that was when I actually started doing A Course in Miracles. We can get into that in a little bit, but the anxiety didn't necessarily just drop. It started to, like you said, I started to kind of peel myself out of it bit by bit and it took time. These principles that I write about in my book aren't like a magic wand that are just going to poof, make anxiety go away, but we're getting to the root cause of fear, which is our belief that we are separate from divine love. So the fears, the worries for me were always focused predominantly on body fears. Like I would be convinced that the latest disease, whatever it would be, Ebola, SARS, (laughs) bird flu, (laughs) you name it, anything, you know, that was like the latest outbreak. It would just unravel me at the seams. I'd be panic stricken, like, oh my gosh, what does this symptom mean? If I'd have a pang of pain in my body, I would go to the worst case scenario. Sometimes I'd rush to the doctor because I'd be totally freaked out. So it really hijacked my life. And there were many things I couldn't do because of the anxiety because it was so – debilitating. And it really made my life much smaller than it needed to be. So I was at the high end of the continuum with struggling with anxiety. There were periods of time with the panic attacks that I could not get out of bed. My stomach was in such a tight knot that it was hard to eat. Like I, I could literally only get down bits of food at a time. And oh my God, the insomnia at times. I went through one really bad period that lasted for at least a year of insomnia. And I it's still uncomfortable for me to think about because it was it was so awful. So, I spent a lot of my life at that very high end of the continuum of anxiety, but at the low end, I think anxiety is very common and very familiar for all of us because many people I think walk around with a state of just being in unease, you know? Just there's that sort of underlying current of anxiousness, or dread, or what's going to happen next, or worry. So anxiety definitely appears in many, many different forms.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that you shared that with us. And it does. So, you know, if you're listening to this program, and you're saying, Oh, well, I don't have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. So like, I'm fine. I don't really need this book, or I don't need to listen. Stop. (laughs) Stop, drop, and (laughs) roll. You do need to listen because a lot of us, especially, I mean, if you watch the news, if you listen to talk radio, if you're just alive and breathing, chances are, you know, whether it's financial worries or whether it's your career or whatever the outside thing is, chances are you have some low-level anxiety at some point in your life because we're all not walking around in peace and bliss as we should be. You know, we're, we're all dealing with something. So if you're listening, whatever, you know, place in the spectrum you're on, this show is going to change your life, as is this book. So Corinne, I want to go into, I love, love, love in your book when I was reading the tools that you brought up right away, because they were the ones that literally saved my life when I was at the height of, you know, depression and anxiety and just feeling so lost was willingness And the determination to see things differently. I just think I had those two course lessons on repeat in my mind. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm, you know, I'm determined to see this differently. Talk to us about how you use those. um, Because I think it's going to also be a practical tool for people listening, even if they're not course students.
1: Mm -hmm. Great question. We get so stuck in our perceptions. We think that the way we see everything is the right way (laughs) and that it's the accurate way. And I'm sorry, I have news for all of us, but it's not. And that's really good news. How grateful can we be that we've been wrong? You know, that the way that we've been seeing something, that the way that we've been seeing our problems, our lives might not be the whole picture. So the tools that you just brought up, willingness... The course teaches that we need just that tiny bit of willingness to create miracles. We need that tiny bit of willingness to have massive shifts in our perception. And the willingness is such a key component. That's like the number one, if there's anything that you take away from A Course in Miracles or from my book, it's to have that willingness to see differently. Because ask yourself honestly, is it working for you? You know, is your way of seeing, is your life, is everything working for you? And chances are, we're going to find places that are, but we're also going to find places that aren't because that's sort of the nature of being in this world is that pain kind of is like a leaky pipe. It might be okay in one spot, but then it springs up elsewhere or that worry, you know, that one worry gets better, but then it springs up as a leak in another location. And we're, we're worried about, you know, something else or some other fear, anxiety. So This tiny bit of willingness is all we need to keep coming back to. And one of the tools that I teach in the book that I just love, this has to do also with honesty, with radical honesty, with having to be so honest with ourselves, because there might be times, let's say we're in conflict with somebody. Am I willing to see them differently or am I willing to see this situation differently? The honest answer might be no, (laughs) heck no. You know, I'm right, damn it. And I do not want to see this differently. We have to be honest about that. And we can then ask ourselves, this is one of the tools that I talk about in the book, am I willing to be willing to see this differently? Well, hmm, maybe, you know, maybe there's my tiny bit of willingness. And so that tiny bit of willingness is then all we need to have a big shift is all we need to bring about that miracle. And if you're not willing, you can Ask yourself, am I willing to be willing to be willing? You can kind of keep going backwards. So this is just a little tool that I've used for myself to find that willingness because that willingness is the precursor for change. It's the precursor for miracles and it's the precursor for peace. Willingness is everything.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, and it's it's in that willingness, it's the there, – there's another course lesson you know, I have created this and it, it is this I will undo. There's an acknowledgement that your wrong-mindedness, that, you know, the part of your brain that, you know, I always call it the little kid running around with scissors. You know, <laughs> she she or he is, is creating this. And there's something beautiful when A, you... Sort of can see that there's a part of you, the insane part of you, let's say, that the wrong minded thinking that is created this. And when you're not in denial anymore about the difficult feelings mm-hmm. and you can just really be honest, I love that you bring that into your book and just say, you know, yeah, sometimes you want to be right. You know sometimes you just want to have the, whoever it is that cut you off in the parking lot be the bad guy right and we don't want to admit that you know our our projections are our perceptions so that's such a beautiful tool to just have that tiny bit of willingness to say okay, I don't even know how, but I'm willing to see it differently. Right. And it's inviting that, you know, um, Marianne Williamson refers to the Holy Spirit. You call it the inner therapist as the Holy third, you know, just Mm -hmm. inviting in that other presence to say, all right, I don't know what I'm doing here. Clearly you need to take over.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm steering my ship into the ground. Help.
0: (laughs) Help me. Um, Talk to us about, I just, when I read this part in the book, I just thought this is my soul sister for sure, because I (laughs) preach on this all the time. And it's so important. I want to everyone that's listening, talk to us about new age guilt. And this is what we're not talking about here, people. So tell us Mm -hmm. what new age guilt is and how this is not that when we look at our projections.
1: Yeah, I am so glad you brought this up because there is this teaching that You're responsible that you you must have brought this upon yourself. And that immediately brings about guilt. That, oh my goodness, how did I call this forth? What you know, what have I done to manifest this illness or this sickness or this conflict or this lack? It's my fault. And then we just feel more guilty. That's kind of this like new age idea that, you know, we're um and if we see the course teachings through the ego. That's what we see because the course teaches the secret of salvation is, but this, you are doing this unto yourself. So the course's teachings are leading us out of guilt. If we are feeling more guilty because of something that's happening in our lives that we think, you know, we were doing somehow that just adds to our guilt and it's just keeping us in ego. What I love about the course is that it teaches that the ego, when we had this tiny mad idea, when we were at home in love and in oneness, this is outside of this world of form, we had this tiny mad idea like, oh, I think I'd be more happy if I was special. And in that moment that we forgot to just laugh away, this whole idea of this world, and this is where the course metaphysics get really deep. This whole idea of this world kind of like, you know, came up in our collective mind and sort of like the ego kind of wrote the script, as the course calls it. So when things happen, I like to not blame myself. I like to not, you know, start like whacking myself over the head. Instead, look at it as like, okay, this is the part of the script from the ego that it is using to keep me focused on being a body, but I'm willing to see it differently. So rather than seeing the ego's script or whatever situation it is to keep you identified with your small self, your body, if you can kind of release your guilt and just see it as, you know, this is just evidence that the ego is using to try to keep me identified as a small self. I want to see the miracle. I want the truth instead. We're learning how to choose the inner voice, the inner therapist, the Holy Spirit's voice within us, which actually takes us out of that script and into, you know, a a better way, into a different way where we have that restored sense of peace. We have that restored sense of love. We have experiences that show us that we are not these separate selves. And in that experience of love, of oneness, of peace, that's where our trust builds and that's where anxiety has to fall away. So I hope that was clear because this is kind of getting, you know, deeper into the course metaphysics, but It's so key that we not beat ourselves up for things that happen in our lives. And yet there's also a whole part of my book where I talk about this idea of radical responsibility. So there is some value in saying that what's happening out there, I'm not a passive victim of it. There's part of my mind that's dreaming this dream. This is just how, you know, the pain is showing up. So there's part of my mind that's doing this unconsciously. And I'm going to be willing to experiment with taking responsibility for that because I want a different experience. I want to see it differently. So there is still value in this responsibility, but without the guilt, without the guilt. Is that clear?
0: Totally clear. I, I love where you went with that because and I want to go here next. We, we talked a little bit about the, you know, the denial and like the, the ego uses everything, including new age stuff. And including the course, the ego could definitely use the course. And the whole point is like your roadmap is peace, joy, and happiness. That's your roadmap. And if you're off there, then you must have chosen Differently, you must have chosen incorrectly, and the choice is is very much unconscious mm-hmm. most of the time. So we talked a little bit about denial of feelings, and I want to I want to go into this a little further at this juncture because the ego is so wily and can use the course and everything to continue the guilt and continue the wrong making of ourselves. This isn't about the denial of feelings, like you talk about this one part in your book where you say, you know, you were angry and it wasn't about, you know, not getting angry and not feeling angry. And as the course would say, it's just having thoughts or feelings, but none that you would keep.
1: Mm -hmm. Talk to us
0: about that because we also don't want to get into further pushing down and denial of so-called negative feelings.
1: Right. I'm so glad you brought this up because again, this is another really important piece where we can easily spiritually bypass our feelings like oh this is difficult i don't want to feel it give me the miracle so i can you know try to tiptoe over it and not go into it and that bypassing does not work we have to feel our feelings we have to fully look at what's coming up with our inner therapist we don't need to ever look at what's coming up alone But this practice is to fully acknowledge, fully feel, and own what's coming up so we can see it differently. So denying our feelings is not what we are aiming for, but I like to think of it as how the morning sun burns away a fog. When we have difficult feelings that come up and we feel them, and we invite our inner therapist, we invite the Holy Spirit to look at them with us, it's like now we're shining light on that fog because we're not hiding it. We're saying look at this, transform this for me. That teaching that you just brought up from the course, it's not that we're going to stop having judgmental thoughts or fearful thoughts or difficult feelings. But just like you said, it's that we have none that we would keep. So we don't keep anything hidden. We don't try to fix it ourselves. We're instead bringing it to the light. That's the practice is leaving no dark cornerstone unturned. We're looking at everything with our inner therapist and there becomes then no place for the ego thought system, the fearful thought system to hide because we're willing to bring it all to the light. And there healing has to happen. It has to happen. Mm. And it's
0: that, you know, what came up for me as you were talking is it's it's that, it's the unwillingness because it feels so scary, right? To go to those places and admit like, I am really angry right now. Or I feel I'm bored even, I feel uncomfortable or I feel really, really anxious about X, Y, or Z, it's sometimes, Z for the American listeners, Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's sometimes really difficult to go there and sit with those really uncomfortable feelings. We're afraid of them. And so we, we push them down. We go into like this denial that they're there. And that is what causes anxiety. And that's what perpetuates it is the unwillingness to sort of to look at it and just have it be okay that, you know what, I am really angry right now. It's not a thought that I would choose to keep because I understand how it can work against me, but I want to acknowledge that this is how I feel.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You know, I gave an example in the book where there was a time that I was trying to spiritually bypass the feelings that I had with my dad because there were some difficult challenges that came up in growing up. And I didn't want to address them because like, yikes, you know, it was really super scary to feel it and also to like, think about actually bringing it up and talking about it. And I kept saying, Holy spirit, take it, take it, you know, help me have that shift, help me have that shift. And nothing changed. It was like, you know, silence, (laughs) no shifts, no nothing. And I realized I was trying to do exactly what we just talked about, not feel my feelings, not go through my lessons, but just bypass and step toe over them. When I realized that part of my journey was to learn how to find my voice and to be able to speak up and say, we need to talk about this. You know, I want a better relationship. We need to talk about this. It was in being able to do that that I then felt that movement come through me of grace, you know, of just releasing and of that restored sense of peace where now I have a wonderful relationship with my dad. And it was because I had to go through my lessons, I had to feel my feelings and not try to bypass them. I
0: love that. It's beautiful. Talk to us a little bit. So, you know, there's people listening to this podcast that may not be familiar with A Course in Miracles. They they may have had the reaction to it that I had when I first was introduced to it, which was, oh my God, no, they they talk about God and, and the Bible and it looks like a Bible and they talk about Jesus and oh, oh my gosh. And I love the way you break it down in the book, actually, because you refer to the Holy Spirit as the inner therapist. And you talk about the unconscious and conscious sort of levels and the child mind. So Mm -hmm. for those people that are listening that are like, you know, Corinne, Giovanna, this sounds awesome. I don't know about a course thing. First of all, buy Corinne's book. That's the first step. But talk to us a little bit about how to interpret some of the terminology in the book and maybe obviously using what you've referred to in your book to help us understand and ease into it a bit better if we've never heard of A Course in Miracles.
1: Definitely. So one of the first things is that we get so tripped up with semantics. We get so tripped up by words and terminology and pronouns. You know, the course uses masculine pronouns and that can be off-putting to some of us. We need to take our issues with that and look at that with our inner therapist. So <laughs> it really is about the message beneath the words. Words are symbols. And if we're getting tripped up by words, we're getting tripped up by symbols. And we can go deeper. We can learn you know, what, what it is that this is pointing us to. A Course in Miracles is a book. But I was just speaking at a large Course in Miracles conference in San Francisco. And someone there said, I can't remember who it was. The course, it's not just a book, it's a portal. It's really a way in of healing, of using a different thought system, of learning a thought system that's in our minds, but that the world often drowns out, that that voice of fear in our mind often drowns out. So when you sit down to study the book, If you're like me, (laughs) your reaction to the text, which is the first third of the book, actually it's more than a third, but that's the first part of the book. The text can be very theoretical. It can be very dense. And so I would sort of read it bits and pieces, just kind of open it at random. But the workbook, which is the next part, has a lesson for every single day of the year where it ends up being 365 almost meditations. That's much more digestible. And the manual for teachers in the back of the book is actually where I recommend that most folks begin because the language that it uses is much more accessible. It's much more digestible. So that's a great place to start. So the course itself is really a system of awakening. I believe it's a complete system. It will take us all the way. I still have that experience of going into the book reading something that I underlined 10 years ago, and then, oh my gosh, getting it on a whole different level or feeling like I just read it for the very first time. So as we progress, our understanding, our experience deepens. And when we go back to study, it starts to get us on an even different, deeper level. It's very holographic like that.
0: I had that experience uh, reading your book because you have a lot of quotes in your book from a course. And I was underlining stuff, and I thought, "Oh my God, it's like the first time I've ever read this, this is amazing. Absolutely. I'd like to talk a little bit now about we're going to go back to you know projection and perception because if you haven't figured out those of you listening, that's what we're talking about here with your anxiety and your fears. This is a projection of the part of your mind that is in wrong mindedness, the part of your mind that is thinking with the ego. And so you speak so beautifully in your book about calling forth witnesses, and we have a choice. We could call forth witnesses to love or to fear. And you have a beautiful story in here around that. I wonder if you would share a little bit about that.
1: Yes. (laughs) So this, again, ties into what we were talking about earlier with not implying any new age guilt. But acknowledging that there's part of my mind that's sort of dreaming this entire state of separation, that in truth, we are one, we are eternal beings and not these bodies. So this idea of taking responsibility and calling forth witnesses to either love or fear is very relevant in our journey. So the story that I share was a life changer for me because this was one of those experiences that I had that really set... A new foundation in my thought system of love. It was really like a foundational trust-building experience. So the story is that I was at a doctor's office because I was investigating some symptoms that I was worried about, but had had my entire life. And in this doctor's office, I was telling the nurse as the nurse was drawing blood, and I was telling her why I was there. And the nurse goes, "Well, that's not good." And so I shared a little more, and she's like, "Well, that's not good." And then she goes, "Don't you pass out on me?" So guess what I did? (laughs) (laughs) I could have like gone in the direction of just what a horrible nurse this is, how insensitive. I was so sensitive to, you know, what other nurses and doctors would say. But rather than go there, and I had those thoughts, but again, I didn't keep them. I looked at them with the Holy Spirit. I looked at that as me calling forth a witness for fear to keep me identified with my body because I was so, so, so fearful going into this that the whole situation was there to just reinforce the fear. So I decided because this doctor was like, okay, well we're going to do some more testing. And this time you're going to have to go to a hospital to get this lab work done. Cause it's these like really, you know, out there kind of tests these much more complicated tests. So, when of immediately course, came your up, ego
0: brought, like, would bring you the complicated tests, right? It of has course, to be something course. like that's a medical mystery for sure. <laughs>
1: right. Of course. Absolutely. You know, inconclusive result after inconclusive result, definitely, because that was like, you know, a huge trigger for me. So I hated getting blood work done, but I hated hospitals even more. I would, this is a, I don't want to digress too much, but there was one time when I was in a hospital, visiting a family member and just being there, I started like feeling like I was going to pass out. And my oh. poor uncle who was in the ICU was like giving me his ice cream. Cause I was blaming it on low blood sugar, <laughs> <laughs> you know, taking away his ice cream from him, you know, like, and that it was all anxiety. It wasn't blood sugar. It was just all anxiety. So anyway, I decided that because I had to go for these further tests and that I was calling forth these witnesses for, for fear, I kept saying to myself, I want to call forth witnesses for love. I want to call forth witnesses for love. I don't know how. I don't know how this is all coming from me. I don't know how this is all coming from my sleeping mind. I don't understand that, but I'm willing to experiment with the idea. I then arrived to the outpatient lab at the hospital, still very nervous, but still very determined to call forth witnesses for love. I walk in. And it turns out my college roommate's mom is working right there in the lab behind the desk. I had no idea she worked there. And without my asking, I thought maybe she was a receptionist. Apparently she was a nurse. Without my asking, she came in the back with me to do the blood draw. We chatted about, you know, my friend and it was totally no pass out response. It was very calm and peaceful. And I got through it without a problem. And then when I was leaving, she said something to me that stopped me dead in my tracks. She said, Corinne, she's like, it's so awesome, you know, that I got to see you. She's like, I never work on Mondays. It was a Monday." She's like, I got called in 30 minutes before you arrived. Mm. And I still get goosebumps sharing that story because that to me was an example of my determination to call forth witnesses for love to show me that I am the dreamer of this dream, that I can call forth witnesses to strengthen the ego part of my mind, or I can look to witnesses to strengthen the loving thought system, the Holy Spirit, the inner therapist part of my mind to strengthen my awareness of that, because it's always there. It's just, you know, my awareness drifts from it. And the default is to go to fear instead. So that is just a life changing experience for me that really, really enhanced my trust in all this work.
0: It is so empowering to hear that story, but also to know that in many ways, this thing that feels so uncontrollable to you is actually can be put in in the control of something higher than you that knows better. But Mm -hmm. also that by using these tools and by using these mantras and course lessons that you can have some control over it within your own mind. Because the one thing that saved me in the course is like the primary line, you think you have many problems, but you really only have one. When I return to that concept over and over and over again, and I continue to turn it over and li- like you just shared, call forth witnesses to love instead of fear. They show up. They mm-hmm. just do. And it's beautiful.
1: I I love that story. And I just have to highlight what you just said about things, you know, feeling uncontrollable and that shift into controllable you just remind me of the word that I love to use and I talk about in the book, it's repurposing. We have the choice to repurpose every experience that we have in our lives to either have that purpose be used by the ego thought system, the fearful thought system, which will keep us identified as our limited self-concept, so it will keep me identified as Corinne, or I can repurpose every single challenging experience or whatever it is that's coming up in my life to let that experience be used by Holy Spirit by your inner therapist to help you instead to wake up. So at this point in my journey and I write about this in the book, we have the opportunity to repurpose everything, even the good because good experiences can keep us just identified with the small self as, you know, the challenging experiences. So as we repurpose everything, as we say, inner therapist, Holy Spirit, I give this to you, you know, help me, help me see it differently. Help me to let this be a teacher for me. As we repurpose things, they, things shift. I repurposed my anxiety to instead be, you know, my most horrible thorn in my side to instead be a means through which I could begin that process of awakening. And therefore, I'm very, very grateful for every panic attack and for every, you know, hard moment because it brought me to my knees. It brought me to my knees and being willing to let go and being willing to see differently and in being willing to know peace that is beyond or is independent of external circumstances. So this repurposing is in our power to do in every given moment.
0: Well said. It's the message that I hope to leave everyone with as they listen to this and they listen to all of the shows, really, is that whatever you're going through right now, however mild or severe it may feel or seem. It is a gift. There is a gift in there if you go looking for it. And I love that your anxiety is now a gift. And it's a, it's a gift for us too, reading this book. And for those of you, again, um, that haven't read the book, the link will be in the show notes so that you can find the book. We'll also have a link to A Course in Miracles if you want to check that out. Corinne, I just, I can't even believe we're at time. I could continue talking to you forever. I love this conversation and I love that you've
1: shared your story in this way. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun and I am just so excited for your work and for everything that you're doing on behalf of helping others and awakening. Yeah,
0: beautiful. Thanks. I feel the same way about you.
1: If you're not quite ready to
0: dive right into A Course in Miracles, but you want to learn about its basic principles and you want some assistance with anxiety and with fear and with the ways that you distract yourself from those things which ultimately perpetuate them, Let's have a conversation. I'm developing a program right now called the 30-Day Distraction Diet and I'm looking for beta testers of the program and I would love, love, love if you would participate in that. It's absolutely free. All it takes is some participation and feedback and I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in participating, you can send me an email directly to info at com, or you can find me through the contact page on sherisespodcast.com.